Hallelujah. 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 Why do we say that? Because the Lamb has overcome. Uh, that does not say, uh, I have overcome or you have overcome. First and foremost, the Lamb, Christ, has overcome. And only because He overcomes can you and me and anyone who believes in His name, the name of Christ, will overcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Three times. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank y'all. Y'all got another song? No, I'm just... Y'all might. I don't know. Hey, y'all have a seat. Thank y'all. We have a scripture reading, two scripture readings, and two young ladies. Y'all come on up here now. Claire Grace Sanders. Where are you, Claire? There you are. And Ashton Berry. So if y'all will turn to Luke 24. Hold on. Luke 24. Claire Grace is going to read, and then Ashton's going to read from Acts chapter 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took their spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man, be crucified on the third and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you not understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. 
When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Thank you all. Thank you, Claire Grace. Thank you, Ashton. Uh, Luke 24 and Acts 8. We're going to be there for just a little while. But uh, the message is really simple. It starts out kind of with a question, uh, and it's more for us who are Christians, or we call ourselves Christians, so that may or, or may not be you. I mean, today's Easter. Uh, I think it's a great day. I think many of you think it's a great day. Uh, I think it's a great day for family, uh, dressing up, doing the thing, uh, hopefully having a good lunch, maybe watching a good ball game later today. I don't know about that. But past that, I think it's the day uh, for us as Christians. Uh, everything we've sang, we've talked about, uh, I don't believe that it's, uh, it's a half-truth. I don't believe it's a, a fable, a metaphor. I believe it's all real, very real. I uh, base my life on it. Many of you base your life on it. But my question for me, too, and for us, is as a Christian, I mean, why? You know, there's a saying, can't every day be like Christmas? Which, I mean, if you all know me, you know I love Christmas. Uh, but it really, as a Christian, it would be like, why can't every day be like Easter? Uh, why is not every day like Easter. I heard a sermon uh, when I was in seminary uh, with my, my better half. We were engaged then, and it was titled Easter Christians, as in like Christians are supposed to be Easter people. Easter uh, meaning new birth, new life, uh, any day, every day. That doesn't just mean anybody can be saved any day. It's that we're renewed day by day. Uh, even when we face the highs of a, uh, of a peak experience, and maybe that's Easter for you, maybe it's some retreat, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a child, also in the lows, the valleys. That's why we like Sunday so much because it does mean on the third day that he rose from the dead. We like Sunday, or at least I do, I can't speak for you, we like Sunday a lot more than Friday when it's somber and it's dark and it's about Jesus dying, which he had to do to get to here. But if we're Christian, every day, every day could be like Easter, like living like an Easter Christian. And so I'd pose you that, this question at least to think about. Uh, and maybe for you it's like, man, every day is Easter. Awesome. That's an overused word, but I mean, that's great. But for the rest of us, why is, why is every day not Easter? And talking about, and if you listen to the girls reading, they talked about belief and baptism there. Belief in the resurrected Christ and a brother being baptized because of the resurrected Christ. So talking about belief and baptism today, and those are those two tie-ins about Easter Easter Christian, and why is every day not like Easter? Belief and baptism. It's our faith. And so I'd say three B words real quick. We like Bs around here at Bellwether. But there are barriers to belief and to baptism. There are blessings of belief and baptism, and there's a boldness to belief and baptism. So real quick, I want to highlight. First, uh, for many of us, there are barriers to our belief 
uh, into our baptism. Uh, some of you out there may believe, but you have yet to be baptized. I don't think baptism, let me be clear. Baptism, what happens today, what you'll see today, uh, those that we will baptize, does not save you. Belief saves you. The grace of Christ, believing in our faith, and we're saved. You can believe any time, any moment. So some of you believe and haven't been baptized. Others of you, maybe, but I, I do know there are folks out there. Some folks have been baptized but really don't believe. You know, how does that happen? Well, sometimes in our, in our church culture, I mean, we'll, we'll do the baptism thing. We'll do the baptism thing, but we really won't, like, believe. Now, I, I believe that that baptism, the Spirit works, okay? But sometimes we hit this new level of belief later in life. How do I know that's true? Well, that was definitely true for my life, okay? I got baptized in seventh grade, okay? I know it was true in my life. And so sometimes that happens. So there are barriers to both belief and to being baptized. There are barriers to like saying, hey, I want to be baptized. There are barriers to say, hey, I really believe I'm all in. What are those? Actually, Luke 24, the resurrection story, tells us a lot of these real quick. One, we don't believe what we see. We don't believe it. But this goes to back to that morning, verse 4, Luke 24. While they were perplexed about this, while they were perplexed about it, uh, often uh, we don't understand and we don't believe what we see. Uh, Some of you today, you may have already experienced this. For example, like you could be sitting here and wondering like, like I I raise my hands a lot today. I'm normally not a big hand raiser. I mean, it's rare to do the double hands, okay, Uh, or, or double arms or whatever. I mean, it's rare. I mean, it has happened. Uh, that's, I, I promise you, it was a natural experience. Uh, those of y'all who know me, particularly my wife, I don't like to fake anything out. I'm not like churchy or like holy roll. Just, it's not me, like public praying. I'm really not a huge fan of it. But it's natural. And so sometimes, <clears throat> and this was me too, like I'd be at a church and I'd maybe sit in the back. No offense to y'all sitting in the back or maybe I'm sitting and I see, you know, people really being moved. Like I don't really understand that. Or I'd be like, I don't really believe that. Oh, yeah, I think he's just acting, or she's acting. Or maybe they're up on stage. I think, I, I think they're just, I don't think they're really being moved by the Spirit. So I'm perplexed, or we can be perplexed. We really don't understand what we're seeing. Uh, some of us have been fortunate enough to see physical miracles happen. And in our, our rational mind, we're like, how did that relate? There's got to be some other way that it happened besides, like, the Spirit of God just decided to heal that person immediately which I believe is totally possible for any and all of you. I think the greatest miracle, if you call yourself a Christian, has already happened at the moment of your salvation, okay? That's the greatest miracle in in your life that will happen or my life. But God could say, hey, there's a physical ailment. Hey, you're you're healed. He could do that. He could do that any time. But me, if I'm being honest, sometimes I'll be like, "Ah, there's got to be some other way to connect those dots. I mean, it's... And so a barrier... And I know I'm speaking for some of you because y'all have said this, but a barrier is we're perplexed and we're not, we just don't believe. Sometimes we're perplexed about things that are happening in brothers and sisters' lives of Christians, and we're like, I don't know how that happens. Instead of being encouraging and comforting, we just don't believe what we're seeing. We don't understand what we're seeing. It could be a big barrier. Another barrier here is we don't know what we have. And honestly, that's probably the biggest. Verse 5 really speaks this. The angel says, 
Why do you seek the living among the dead? We do not know what we have in Christ. We don't know what we have in the Holy Spirit. We don't know what we have in church. We don't know what we have in that community. We don't know what we have. Uh, the greatest trick that ever, uh, the devil ever pulled was to convince us that he's not real. We don't know the power that we have. Why not say that? Why are you looking among the living, among the dead? Because all of us, and me included, so I'm not trying to come down on anybody here, but we're searching for things that are eternal and things that are just not eternal. Okay? Uh, you're like stellar, you know, just killing it, busting it, career. Maybe that's in ministry, okay? Let me use myself, speak for myself. Or maybe it's just in some form of celebrity, being known in your field, medicine, law, politics, business, real estate, you know, being the version of the Mac Daddy that you can be. That is not eternal. That will die. Okay? That will die. And often we seek for the things that are eternal in things that will die. We seek the living among the dead. Often the same thing. The one who saves us could be our spouse or our hoped-for spouse or our child or our hoped-for child or children. I heard somebody say this one time. It's always impacted me. If your Savior can be placed in a coffin, he or she is not your Savior. Why do we seek the living among the dead? There is only one thing that is eternal living. I mean, our our spirits will rise. We talk about that. Our souls will rise. But it's because of eternal Lord and Savior, the risen Christ Jesus. Why are we seeking the living among the dead? It's a huge barrier that we're seeking the eternal things and things that are just not ever meant to be eternal. We're seeking the creator in the created. And the created is not the creator. God, yeah, I mean, y'all, excuse me, God, I, I love baseball. It's baseball season. But uh, often I think of baseball as the creator, the eternal, uh, loving the game, wanting my kids to love that game, to play that game, to be the Mac Daddy in that game. And it will end. It will end. Unfortunately, unfortunately, MLB will end opening day this weekend. Another thing, another barrier is we don't remember the words of Christ. So we don't remember what he said. A barrier is that we don't see, we don't believe what we see. And we also don't remember what he said. And same thing happens here. Luke 24 says, the angel says, remember how he spoke to you. And then it says they remembered his words. You know, if we really remembered uh, the words of Jesus, those of us who have maybe grown up in church, become a Christian, read our Bible. But you could say, hey, it's Easter, bro. That ain't me. You know, like I'm just here today. Thank you. But like I'm not reading my Bible every day. Okay, that's okay. I encourage it. I'm not, you know, coming to church. Everybody, I think, everybody knows John 3.16. John 3.16, right? But that's Jesus' words. Jesus said what? Not Neil. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So everybody knows those words of Jesus. And we don't remember them. We don't even think about it. They become so like, like indoctrinated in us. It's just like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. God so loved the world. Yeah, yeah. Heard that. I see it on the football players, you know. Or at least Tebow's. You know, is it, you know whatever. Whatever they, they throw the verse... 
don't remember his words. It's a huge barrier. We don't preach to ourselves. And then last, another barrier is uh, we don't believe who God sends to us. Same thing happened here, Luke 24. The women, God love them, God bless them. Thank God they, they were the first to see. All of us men can learn a lot from them. Amen, amen, amen. Not much there, okay. Anyway, you should say amen there. But they don't believe. They said, uh, these words seem like nonsense, my translation has, verse 11. And they did not believe them. They did not believe them. We don't believe who God sends. So there may be a person in your life, and you're like, they are speaking into your life. They're trying to speak into your life. And I just, just don't, don't believe them. Probably if you're a member here, if you're, it's somebody in this church. And you're like, I wish somebody else was speaking in my life. Maybe, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a preacher, maybe it's a pastor. Like, man, you know, I mean, if I had just had Billy Graham, I mean, you know, if I was just, if that was him, man, I mean, I'd believe. I mean, I'd really believe. No, you wouldn't. And that's nothing is Billy Graham. The way, the way the Bible says and what I believe is God sends us who we need. So your spouse, your friend, your child, God sends you whom you need. And these are barriers. We don't see what we believe. We don't know what we have. We don't remember what he said, and we don't believe or trust who God sends. So, let's turn it over. What are those blessings? The blessings we see in Acts 8, and if you, if you read or if you've read this, it's about a brother, and I say a brother, who is being baptized. This brother was the first African, so he's a black man, he's Ethiopian. Uh, this brother actually is a eunuch. Uh, was giving up the possibility of family uh, to be close to or have wealth or power. What are the blessings of belief and baptism? Uh, The blessings of belief and baptism. First, you've heard me say it, many of y'all, I'll say it again, there are no accidents in Christianity. No accidents. So, there's no accident that uh, Philip was called by God here. There's no accident that the Ethiopian man was wanting to go worship in the temple and by the way, if you uh, know any of this history of context, he was not allowed to go into the temple because of his position. He was not allowed. He was curious about Scripture. He was reading Isaiah 53. There's no accident that he had this curiosity. It's no accident the Spirit was leading him. Look, we don't search for God or Jesus. You may think that you do. God is really searching for you, and he's running after you, and he will never, ever end until you come to know him. And that is what we see here in Acts 8. So no accidents who God put in your life where you are. Some other blessings here. There are no insignificant places. Some of us say, well, if I was living here, things would be better. Or if I was somewhere else, if I lived in a different time, or if this, you know, just had a different house or, or life. So Gaza here, it says, Gaza was a dump. And it was, had been destroyed, demolished a decade or so earlier. And if you read earlier in Acts 8, and I'm not going to, but Samaria, where Philip was, was exploding with like new believers. The church is like just rocking, kicking, everything. And here Philip's like, man, couldn't you have kept me there or stayed there? Now I got to go to this dump for one person? I mean, no crowds here. No celebrity here is one person. 
who happened to be the first African man who came to know Christ. And I think it's really cool preaching on this that two of the people that will be baptized are from Africa. And so they'd be descendants of this brother in his faith. Thank you. Wow. I know we all need to say it. We don't know what we have again. So there are no insignificant places and there are no insignificant people. Because Philip could have said, hey, this, this dude I, looks kind of different. Uh, pretty different culture, everything. And yet, he was, the, he, was the, he was the first in the whole continent coming to know Christ, coming to believe in Christ. No insignificant places, no insignificant people, and no insignificant gifts. All of you have gifts. All of you who are Christians have gifts that God has given you. Uh, there's a simple gift that's highlighted here. The Ethiopian, he just says, uh, verse 30, he's like, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. And Philip sits down and talks to him and guides him. Uh, that's a gift that any, any Christian can have. You don't have to be a preacher. My wife and I were talking the other day. There is a, uh, there's a, an atheist that we know, okay, here, I don't know, actually atheist in Jackson. I know, shocker. But an atheist in Jackson, and this atheist uh, doesn't go to church and doesn't really believe in church because they said, I mean, aren't all Christians supposed to be missionaries? Yes. So you don't have to be a preacher or a speaker or have the gift of sitting down and talking to someone and sharing your story. Sharing your story over and over again. And we don't know the impact it will make in history or in eternity. Uh, the blessings of belief in baptism. No accidents. But there are also no insignificant places. No insignificant people. No insignificant gifts. And then last, the boldness of belief in baptism. Because the Spirit worked. And this man, this different man... Uh, this man who had not walked with Christ, who had not been around there, who was not a religious person, came to Christ. And he's so bold. I love this. They were just traveling down the road, verse 36. And he says, man, there's water. There's some water. What's keeping me from being baptized? And Philip answered him just as he would answer you or I would answer you, nothing. Nothing's keeping you from being baptized. And he actually says something that is not in. Some Bibles don't have this verse. I don't know if your Bible does, but mine has 36, and then it skips to 38. So I want to put verse 37 up on screen. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's it. The two parts there first. A statement saying it, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What we'll see here in baptism in a moment uh, is people saying that. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, and they believe with all their heart. I would press that for my life and yours. Do we believe with all our heart? All those barriers are there. They are there. All those barriers are there. And so to trust that God is working that there are no accidents, there's no insignificant places, no insignificant people, no insignificant gifts that God is working in your life and changing your heart. Easter 
Easter is all about new life. We love uh, the spring flowers. We love the colors. New life. And Christianity is about new life. And, and so for us, I mean, if you call yourself a Christian, if you hear nothing else, if you remember nothing else, uh, that verse that we just saw, it says, do you believe with all your heart? Do you give your heart? We're talking about new life. That can happen in a moment for those for the first time coming to Christ. But also, I do believe this. And so I'm talking to Christians now, Christian brothers and sisters, to say I'm going to not just take the next step, but I'm going to believe with all my heart. I'm going to give my heart. And I know, Lord, you will make my life new to go wherever he sends. There's no insignificant place. There's no insignificant people. And I think the difference is, I think this is a big difference, do you look at Christianity? Do you look at Easter? Do you look at your faith? Do you look at Christ? And he's, you look at it like, oh yeah, he's there uh, to help my life uh, and get me where I want to go. Not just heaven, but in my career uh, and in my relationships. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you don't have heaven because I believe you do. But there is a difference between that and then saying, I believe my life is caught up in this great story and this great scheme that God is working and doing, and I'm just a small piece of it, but my life is not my life. My life is Jesus' life. So he might send me to Gaza. He might send me to New York. He might send me to someone that I can't relate to or different culture, different background. He may send me to my hometown, but I know God's at work. I know God's going to do greater things probably after my death than during my life. And it's awesome, and you can have this joy. Do you look at your life as what God, Jesus, done for you and doing for you, which we say, or do you look at it as like this great, grand adventure that you're caught up in, and maybe he'll call you to be a singer or a songwriter or a baseball player or a preacher or an actor or an artist or a businessman or president of the United States, but you believe in Jesus, and it's his life, and it's no longer yours, and you're caught up in his divine plan and history. There is a difference in those two Christians. There is a big difference. I want us over here. I do. I want you over here. And say, like, man, it's, just, it's his, and I don't know where he's, but it's, it's a joy, and it's a blessing, and it's an adventure. And I may be rich, and I may be poor, and I may be healthy, or I may have cancer, or I may, but it's Jesus' life. And it's new life. If you think, man, I don't know what you're talking about, you're crazy, then I would say you don't truly know the biblical story because that's what salvation is all about because the rest of that story I'm going to close here. The rest of that story, the Ethiopian went off rejoicing. He was rejoicing. And Philip just went on. Philip actually just went on taking names and kicking tail, preaching the gospel, it said, all the way down to Caesarea and all that. He just kept going. He was like, next, next place, next town. It's not, it's all about Jesus. Look, I want you to have that. I want you to have that life as adventure. Um, but I can't impel you or I can encourage you, but it's really the spirit that does it. So what I hope that you'll see as we baptize and get ready for baptism uh, are two folks who are saying, I am, I'm ready to step out and give my life and believe with all my heart. So I'm going to read you the testimony of two, uh, two young, young ladies who will be getting baptized. And as our worship team, y'all come on up and get ready, get set up, get set up. And as they go out to get baptized, they step out. Uh, let me say this too. Um, 
you know, I talked to a, uh, a brother earlier, and, you know, he was like, I have an interest in being baptized, uh, but I want to talk to you about it. And so I think that's great. If anyone uh, else uh, sees this or hears this or is convicted about being baptized, we would love to con- continue that conversation and talk to you. We believe in baptism. Uh, we believe in baptism by immersion here. Uh, but also, if someone is led today, we always invite spontaneous baptisms. I mean, if you're feeling led today, there's no better day than Easter. Uh, and I don't want it to look like, well, this is a church thing. I want it to be a spirit-filled thing. And if you're led, uh, we will baptize you today. We've well, we got T-shirts back there. We can change your clothes and all that. We can get you sorted, okay? I'm not going to say don't hold off. I'd love to talk to you. And baptism doesn't save you. But if you're being led, we always give an invitation. Here's these stories. It says, As a child growing up in a Christian home and going to church, I always knew about God. When I was eight, I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. However, I love this, I never fully trusted him. Uh, After I started uh, Bellwether's Rise with God Bible reading plan last year, I've actually seen God working in ways I had not seen before. I'm reminded many times a day of the wondrous love of Christ. Even though I struggle to give him all my doubts and fears, I realize that Jesus lifts my burdens. Through this baptism, I publicly proclaim Jesus' work in my life. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. The next one, as a child growing up in a Christian home, going to church, I always knew about God. When I was eight, I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. However, I never fully trusted with him. Now I struggle still, but I know that Jesus is always there. I know I'm not perfect, but I know that he has given me gifts. I want to use those gifts in this world, however he sees fit. As I go into college, I want to use this opportunity to know him more, to love him more, and to lead others to him.